0: I'm Valerie Chan, the host of the Platform PR For The Record podcast, where we go on the record with leading influencers to discuss the latest trends in business and marketing to help organizations grow. Today, we're here with Joy Morau from Practice Line Resources, PAR, here to discuss the importance of practice support and technology to the legal process. Joy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, I know a little bit about you, but tell us a little bit about yourself, and you have an interesting educational background. How did that shape your career to start PAR?
1: Well, I'd say first, um, my background, I basically worked in big law and corporate legal for over 20 years. Um, I came out of paralegal school and wanting to be a paralegal so I can go the track of possibly going to law school. And because of my educational background, which basically I worked in the microcomputer lab in college um, by accident. (laughs) I was not a technical person. I went to school with a typewriter. So um, it was interesting that I was asked to actually be a part of the faculty liaison group, which is basically marketing the technology center to classes and to teachers. So that was interesting. And then earlier in my career, which I think is the most um, important part of of how I and where I am now. but I was um selected to be one of the two kids in my school going into high school uh, for the Bell Labs program. So with that, uh, being there and being an intern, they taught us C programming um, at a very young age. Wow. Um, yeah, it was kind of interesting because you really learned and I was empowered by the power of programming C back then. And then also the second summer, because it was basically a summer internship for your entire high school career once you were chosen, um, And so the second year, I was in the R&D development, R&D group, the research and development group, and I just remember taking notes because that's what the interns were doing. I would take notes, and I just remember being in this big room with this really big marble table and not understanding what they were saying, but I was taking notes as best I could, but I kept seeing them talk about a problem and how they can solve it. So that's where I am now today. I feel like it's that thread that's come through where I leverage programming to help solve problems for lawyers and their cases or their projects. So, coming into PAR, I just felt there was a gap for non-big law firms, like everyone else, basically, because we had a support team. I've been in those teams for and directed those for, gosh, over decades, Um, and I just felt like there wasn't enough, there weren't enough resources for government agencies, for the plaintiff side, and the the like. So because of that, that's what kind of pushed me towards um, integrating technology and problem solving.
0: That's interesting. So I I am kind of curious, just because you were at a big law firm, and i have been in big log all your life. Did the big law firms have the technology that, you know, you actually worked on when you were younger? Did you, you know, how did you actually start working with technology and being a paralegal?
1: Yeah, so I think the first thing is, you know, I grew up with a Mac in, in, in college, right? They they kind of dominated the college career uh, students, the college students. But going into law firms, it was PC-based, it was DOS-based when I entered the program. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the first mm-hmm. thing that I was given was, here's a manual, read it, digest it to like 12 sheets of paper, and then create a training program so you can go train the attorneys and paralegals around the country for all Melviny. So I guess the thing is they all had some kind of database if they were in litigation because there was so much paper, things were being scanned and data entry, you know, coding, document coding, capturing to from CC and dates was how we actually had to do it because we didn't have all the email and electronic files of today. So yes, the big law um the big law firms had technology departments first of all. My division was always either a sub within t- a technology which was like a special projects team or group that just addressed mm-hmm. these special software programs when attorneys would come in and say john i need this outlining tool and it wasn't really part of the core stack that would go to our team as a specialty team mm-hmm. um, but also mm-hmm. when you went to um in legal for example in uh, corporate legal when i was at arco They had massive, massive uh, scanning capabilities with the best scanners. There were Bell and Howells in the day. Uh, They had a a floor of just attorneys reviewing for privilege. I mean, it was pretty uh, interesting and how progressive and how, because they were multiple litigants, right? They were getting sued all the time. So they knew they got to get that under control. Um, But that was 1996 when they had this. And so it does surprise me to this day that there's so many legal um, departments and law firms that still don't have those resources. But what's interesting now is the way you can buy. It's like Uber, right? You can buy a pay as you go for the technology now because things are in the cloud. You don't have to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in in infrastructure like you used to.
0: Yeah, so is that the reason why you started PAR to actually help people understand technology? Tell us a little about how you decided to actually start PAR and and your journey growing mm-hmm. PAR.
1: Yeah, I think it was something always in the back of my mind when um, being at Latham. I was there for 13 years and grew that department. I started as an analyst there and became manager mm-hmm. and then a global manager and mm-hmm. started to really um, justify positions because of the the need to bridge this gap between law and IT, right? We needed to have this specialty group of revenue generators. So what I found in just in Latham alone, taking our team from 5 to 52, you needed training. You needed Mm -hmm. to have some kind of career path for people, so developing that. Now, for example, going to my next job was Paul Hastings. That's when I really solidified there needs to be a company because at Paul Hastings the team was smaller, but we still had the same objectives, the same type of cases. But the team I was managing or directing was literally half the size, and so how can you really provide all this innovation and literally support? I mean, you had to help them file documents with the SEC or do things, uh, file documents with the courts, right? So, mm-hmm. to me, I learned early that early in that that time there at Paul Hastings that we only had senior people who started to do little. Tasks like burning discs, and it really mm-hmm. kind of bothered me. Like, you know, the hourly rate—I won't disclose hourly—but it was pretty high. Hourly, a high hourly rate to yeah. burn to burn discs. And yep. I'm like, can't you train, attempt to do this? Can we get new people in? And then the answer was no. It, it, we don't have time. I I, mm-hmm. I can do it faster and just do it myself, and I'll get it done. And I just thought mm-hmm. that's not sustainable. And also big law firms have this resource, but smaller firms couldn't afford to have our, you know, it's a supply and demand issue. There just weren't, there's no school that generates litigation support or practice support professionals. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. to me, PAR was that place to try and help one, figure out a way to create a training program and take um, paralegals, uh, take records clerks, take legal secretaries, people who had some legal background and start to train them because they understood the process, the legal process or the business, just to teach them the technology and the workflows that go with it so that maybe we could create like this stair process, kind of lockstep, just like the associates first year, second year, same kind of concept, first year for a a legal tech support person and then second year, third year. So that's what PAR really uh, started out as is trying to focus on training and bringing staff into the mix.
0: Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. So when law firms and corporations come to you, um, what do they come for? The technology training or the resources or or both? I would say both because, so first of all, I was going to say there's two different sides. Corporate Mm
1: -hmm. clients tend to be more strategic. They don't have the same impending deadline and urgency that the law firms do I feel like the corporations they have a plan they they plan they they figured out what they want to do next year so they need consulting and training on the products that they want to bring in or that they've already brought in and they realize you know what our contract ended and we still don't feel comfortable with the software um this could be as easy as word and word templates as or PowerPoint or contract management tools really that it, it really is kind of that runs a gamut for corporations but for law firms it seems to be a little bit more reactionary just-in-time training there's a trial coming up and they need someone they need to teach their lawyers how to run a trial director or some other tool in the courtroom or maybe they need actual help with e-discovery like joy I don't understand the language I don't even understand what they're asking me to do I submitted this I printed the stuff for them and then they're complaining. And then that's where we come in is we'll start to educate, not just on software, but on e-discovery or the legal workflow.
0: Got it. So how long have you been around and what are some of the most interesting cases that you've worked on?
1: Well, last June was our sixth year anniversary in downtown Valley. That's why I really consider that our when we opened up the PAR Center. Um, Yeah, congrats. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so we started out as, again, I really was pushing training, that was the first thing. But again, as you realize, people don't prioritize training because they're really focused on getting the job done. So we kind of shifted into doing kind of fractional litigation support or practice support services. So Mm -hmm. there were smaller law firms who really didn't have a need to hire a full-time litigation support or e-discovery person. So they would come to us and we would sell little packages. Um, but it's morphing back into training because and staffing, to be honest, because people are calling and saying, now I have the work, but I can't find anybody. Or yeah. they were trained differently because, again, most people kind of learn on the job. And there really isn't any core competency. Like, how can you tell when it's a good candidate or not? Is it because they use the software you use? And there's a lot of software out there ranging from concordance iConnect, Logical, Disco, right, all the way to Relativity and Reveal, right, all those things. There's a wide gamut of products. So how do you know? So that's where I come in now, where we're really trying to do interviews for people. We're trying to train people and kind of qualify people as being competent through our little uh, skills and drills tests. And uh, last thing is the placement. People are coming to us to do some like, kind come of, like real strategic placement.
0: That's great. That's really, really great. Tell me about a team that you placed at either a corporation or a law firm so that it's either an integrated team versus just one placement. That's the question I'm trying to get to.
1: Yeah. So what I find is for the bigger client or for the either it's a straight placement, which those mm-hmm. are fun. And again, I don't really consider myself a staffing agency, but I do have access to people and I try and find the right fit. And that's why I say it's a little bit more strategic. But what right. we tend to do is more resource- like supplemental resources or overflow resources, or specifically analyst level. Like, can't, like, if we already have two or three practice support people, Joy, can your team do the regular, like, data processing or data loading or some of the low hanging fruit so that the people who are RW2s can focus on being consultants, project management, follow up, and also some of the strategic. IT projects that need to get done in order to move their program forward. We haven't literally like lifted a team and put them somewhere. Again, they'll kind of do fractional, like they'll buy 20 hours a week or they'll buy um, and certain staff like that.
0: Got it. So I'm kind of curious if someone were to ask you, what is your value proposition? What would you say your ultimate value proposition to be? Well, I, the first thing
1: is we care. Right. Our first thing, mm-hmm. Park cares about the work that you're doing and the work that we're doing because we understand we have high empathy. We've been there. We've done that. We know what it's like to be alone or to have like a huge case and you have two people and you're like, well, this is going to run 24 hours for the next six months. How are we going to take turns on this? Right. So I think one, it's the experience and it's really the, the fact that we love what we do. We, we pay mm-hmm. attention to it. And we bring that whole concept of uh, the project management principles, right? the concept of risk and stakeholders and Mm -hmm. really a a work breakdown schedule or just a workflow. So to me, I think it's a second set of eyes that really have big law experience. Because a lot of our clients that are coming in from mid-tier or small firms, They haven't been exposed to, you know, 1,000, you know, people class action lawsuits or they haven't had huge, you know, M&A deals where they have to finish a deal in two weeks and, you know, they have literally 7 million files to go through, right? Our teams have been there and done that. So we are very creative. And so I think PAR is very unique in that we have programmers. We actually know how to literally manage the stakeholders, like clients and the lawyers and the tech people all together, like those are all different personalities. And lastly, we work with budgets. We really do trying to, we try to give options from a low tech to a high tech, you know, procurement from a procurement standpoint. So.
0: Got it. Got it. That's cool. So, um, So you're part of our series about how to help law firms grow. So I am kind of curious, what tips, especially since, you know, you have the support background and the technology background, um, you know, what tips would you give some of the high growth law firms to, to grow, especially from a support side and a technology infrastructure side?
1: Well, the first, my first big tip, and it's always where I start with them, is talking to the partnership and really understanding what you're trying to do as a company or as the firm, right? So is technology a differentiator for you? Is that from a marketing perspective? Is, te- is technology going to be the differentiator? Or is it normalizing you so you basically are just like every other firm? We have this and this or are you just keeping up? Are you just trying to stay in the game? And and so understand where you are in that spectrum of technology um, adoption or support because it's gonna take time, it's gonna take money, and it's gonna take participation from everybody, especially the partners. If you look at some of the different configurations of practice support services or paralegal services, right? there's utilization that has to be monitored. So how are these partners going to utilize the resources? If you're going to bring in an e-discovery attorney, how is that attorney going to work with the other attorneys who have to all bill time and bill hours? And in regards to like budgets and everything like that, where is all that going? So you have to, from a firm, Understand what you're trying to do and what your position is in regards to the marketing aspect of it and then also the leadership of responsibility and I'll be honest, rev share right in the, in that way. Um, the second thing, once you do talk to the partnership and they all agree on, on one strategy, next I look at your clients. It's something that people don't think about, but what and who are your clients and what is their temperature for paying for? and utilizing these support resources? Are they accustomed to having like e-discovery professionals on the bill? I used to work a lot with um, business development and look at the RFPs, because there'd be a section or two every now and then, saying, do you have a team that just focuses on e-discovery? What technology are you deploying to save us money? Or whatever the question is in the RFP. But what's interesting later, that case, we might, I not wanna say get in trouble, but we might be asked, How come you have so many people on the bill? The client won't pay for all this stuff. And I would turn like, really? Because they have an e-discovery unit. They understand what it takes to, to actually process data and actually comply with all these productions. I think we need you to understand so you can communicate with your client the expectations. So I think that's why the working with the partnership and educating them on the value proposition of that group within their firm, right? That would be if they're really gonna grow because there's a lot of revenue to generate from e-discovery. You spend a lot of it on the outside, can bring it in-house, provide your client better service, can it be closer to the attorney so that there's really no risk of waste or any risk of issues because of, you know, two companies are trying to communicate and sometimes that's an issue. So as a big growth, as a firm trying to grow or on a high growth trajectory, e-discovery, legal technology for deals, leveraging technology is a a great way to basically, gosh, supplement your revenue because, for example, your clients, if they're not repeat litigants, they're not going to have a legal hold team. You can offer the legal hold services if you have your own legal hold tools. That team may not have a company or a group, excuse me, that's going to collect from their Office 365 or their G Suite. So you have the ability, whether you have your own forensic team or you, you have your relationships with your partners, but as the firm, law firm, you have an opportunity to work more closely with all those components and, and basically fold it under your um, e-discovery department budget and have right. revenue.
0: So I, I, there's two two things I, I have questions on, especially when it comes to that. You gave us a lot of great information. One is, you know, do the smaller to mid-sized law firms really understand and feel comfortable on how to to actually bill for this, or do you have to educate them? And then, second of all, um, do you have like a utilization monitor so that people could really understand or or even a formula a utilization formula that you could offer to people so that they can understand how to utilize staff and what the cost would be involved.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. So I'll take the last first. So okay. we do have um, budget sheets that we use to track e-discovery projects all the way mm-hmm. including to include document review, for example, mm-hmm. because that's such a big part of that budget. But we have like, um, so much intel for what it would cost. If you told me six custodians over three years, I can tell you a good range which we would fall within for what your budget would be for e-discovery mm-hmm. um, including production and review and stuff. So, that, you know, tracking it on a larger scale we haven't, but that's interesting because as you look at Seafirth and other um, law firms that really have Established PMO offices where they're not just looking at e discovery but they're looking at the project as a whole. That mm-hmm. I think is interesting. Also, legal tracker and other kind of e billing systems that are starting to have the data points available to, to check I think it would be interesting to see. But I haven't not yet myself done that, but I would love to do a study on that. I think that would be a great way to kind of push the topic forward to the forefront because i do think that there's lost opportunity in regards to middle mid-sized firms or solo firms yes i mean we do have to advise them but however there are some mid-sized firms that probably six or seven years ago took a very proactive stance to creating these revenue generating you know, e-discovery teams, basically, and some of them even spun them off as a separate company on its own, which I don't understand all the, the math and the business on that, but, yeah. but yeah, the, yeah. the fact is that those firms did see um, that technology could be, and the services around that could benefit the client, they could offer at a lower rate than the outside market, and again, it's part of their revenue-generating team. People ask if that's like a conflict. I'm like, well, it's it's hard because technology is such an important or integral role now with any right. of the cases, whether it's M&A, right. transactional, or litigation. Everyone mm-hmm. the date the corporate record now is not just <laughs> oh the file cabinet over there, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. all the it's all the email, but then what about the Slack and the, the, the help desk tickets or whatever else is going on? There's so many systems. I mean there are times for employment law cases we're pulling card key reports, parking garage video cameras. I mean there's a lot of of data out there. So to have a team that works with your lawyers more closely and actually pulls them in to come up with a, a cohesive and comprehensive workflow, I definitely think that's better for the client. You're gonna have better outcomes, you're gonna have less issues because both sides see each other. You know what I mean? They, they're talking regularly and they're they're kind of working with the data they have, giving reports. Sometimes if you don't have your own team, there is a disconnect. It's either, um, either, I mean, now with remote from being COVID, it's probably less of a problem now, but before, I mean, if the, if your vendor was across the country, you barely spoke to them unless there was a problem or when you had a project that was an emergency and it's an emergency because you didn't tell them early enough and you didn't tell them early enough because out of sight, out of mind. But when that department's with you, oh, Joy, I have something for you. I'm going to, you know, you bump into them in the hallway or, you know, you're part of the distribution group because you're an internal resource, you can jump ahead and work with them. Or I work with calendaring and docket to knock on their door and say, hey, can I get those reports too so I can reach out to the attorneys when, when these deadlines are coming up? And I'm just going to go peek my head in and say, hey, you just want to check in. Do you still need us or do you have a plan for that? So it's different, I think, when the law firm has that own team inside, that is their team. Right. So they're going to be beneficial for them. So I would say that that would be a great series to put forward for solo small firm and midsize firms. It's kind of like a checklist and things to consider. But there are a lot of midsize firms that already found that opportunity because they were spending money on the outside. And I think they realized when they calculated that um, because a lot of those clients, too, don't want to pay right. for it. So they might have to pay for it themselves.
0: So I am kind of curious, especially and this is a question that we had gotten a few times, which is, you know, how do I know if I have the right support? You know, how do I know if I need to go out and look for support? What's the answer there? Well, first,
1: I will say that there's a lot of factors because you're going to have personalities also. I mean, I think within your organization, there are roles and new roles that have come about right so you're going to see some people may have a lot of gray area on their role so support's a little different for some because maybe uh the paralegal is also the e-discovery person but they still have a paralegal role and Mm -hmm. then they're also an e-discovery right so so the consistency of service hours or availability may be limited because of that configuration so Mm -hmm. um I think that when you look at support, you have to first understand what do your attorneys need? Like if you interviewed your associates, how many of them type their own documents and want to answer their own phone? So when you look at the legal uh, legal secretary support area, is there an opportunity for, for that team to take on other responsibilities that need to get done that maybe paralegal was doing, like creating players lists and Um, different kinds of documents to keep the case organized so that the paralegal can then start doing a little bit more of the e-discovery planning and meet and confer prep and working with the client to understand their data map, right? I mean, you see like there's enough for everybody. So I think when I I keep going back to the partners and understanding what their practice is, where does the client complain? Are they saying you guys are always over budget? You guys never tell me when the money's gonna run out? maybe we got to look at the budgeting process, right? You're like, yeah. oh, we don't have a budget because e-discovery is so unpredictable. I'm like, mm, it's not that unpredictable. I mean, there, right. there are lines to be drawn. It's just that when you're in a, a reactionary mode, of course, you're not going to have time. But I do think that there's an opportunity to sit with litigators. With We did a lot with real estate because there's a lot of paper and a lot of um, documents being transferred mm-hmm. in those projects. So, I think that Again, working with the case teams, the, the partners and the lawyers together, just understanding your practice. And I think that's one big thing is whoever your support team is, bringing them and helping them understand the business. What are we doing? Who are our clients? What are we trying to achieve? What are the deadlines we have to meet um, in order to, 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 to support, to deliver what we have to deliver? And that's when you identify the gaps in your support model. When you realize who's, I do a lot of swim lanes. Um, with workflows, and I can see gaps like, well, wait a minute, well, who, where does the attorney put this? Where, where is this going? And then you can start to see who can step up or who has a skill set to, to handle those things.
0: Got it. So now we're running out of time, um, what are some of the top three strategies you recommend to law firms to enhance and elevate their support teams and, and really grow? Well, I think one of it, the
1: first thing, again, is, is getting and bringing the support teams into the to the meetings or talking to them about their practice in the business, right? Setting that expectation like, oh, I'm a white collar attorney. We have a white collar practice. Here's what we usually do. These are the kinds of clients we have, um, especially okay, let's just say the billing side too, the accounting side, helping them understand the legal practice instead of just numbers. Right. But I think making sure that all the people who are part of the company understand the business. They don't have to go to law school, but they definitely need to understand how the workflow happens and and who the clients are. Two, I think another strategy is really talking and looking at who you consider your competitors and what are they doing. Get some, you know, we do some intel research for different, some of our clients. And you know, what is the middle market um, uh, structure for lit support? How many do they have? What tools are they using? So do some market research on your competitors and understanding, you know, those. What is it? Because you'll know then what the expectations of the clients are for your service delivery. Do they expect your law firm to provide these support services? Another thing is reach out and, and look at third-party service providers that could come in and be your partner, like um, manage services, basically. I mean, we did that for a long time with photocopy services and then it kind of ebbed into mailroom and it ebbed into receptionists. But now what about all these other support systems? Word processing being outsourced, help desk being outsourced, and not saying I'm trying to outsource all the law firms. But if you really are constrained, you should really look at resources in general and what do you need and and what can you afford, you know, and kind of grow into it. Got it. I well, don't know if I that think. Was three.
0: <laughs> what's that? Let's I said I thought that
1: was three, one, two, three. But
0: yeah, no, no, no that was great. That was great. Um, so I'm gonna bring this up, and this is really, truly my last uh, question before we close out. You had just launched a new series on Par. Um, so tell me a little bit about the educational series that you've just launched and, and your course coursework. Thank you. Yeah, it's cool. So it's called part journey.
1: And that one is about your career. And again, focusing on your learning journey for technology. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, and again, we still have our classes are joy. Can you do this class or that class? Yes, we can throw classes. We throw classes for different, um, different law firms for their teams. And then we have public classes but this is a little special to me. It's having a coach with you also to kind of ask you and work with you on where you want to go. And then if you're committed, and this is I think the difference, is that some people get lost. They'll get into these like big learning programs and there's like, you have a choice of a thousand classes, but you don't know what the path is to get where you want to go. So that's what we're trying to do is really help curate a path for different um, you know, roles and help Mm -hmm. get you there. And I think a lot of, again, a lot of people have some great practice skills, but they haven't had the time to look out at, Joy, what is the newest technology for transcripts? Oh, do I need, should I get this certification? And what would that do for me? Um, And how do I start? So I think to me, it's helping hold the hand of our community and walking them through the tech, you know, getting them through that tech insecurity that they may have. Um, I just really want to put that you're not alone. We're here. And I told you PAR cares because I really do. I mean, my team, when we work, it's like blood, sweat and tears, right? If you have a project, dude, we're not going to sleep, right? We're going to be there just doing it because that's what it takes. You have this servant heart and, you know, kind of wanting to make sure that your clients are taken care of. So that's kind of what we're doing with our training program. And it's supposed to be what I'm trying to move forward to is having monthly subscription. So that... You don't have to choose which class am I going to take, how can I spend this $100 and what am I going to, what am I going to do that's going to give me longevity or have a deeper learning for me. Um, so I'm hoping that this helps, that we actually will, one, live classes, two, online classes so that they can watch and rewatch as they need. Skills and drills, I think that's another thing people don't really have any resources for because sometimes it's on the job training. So we're gonna have the skills and drills available for them so that they'll get some practical stuff. And then um, partner with our community so that we can kind of lead them down the path to getting their SED certification, get their REVEAL certification, their BrainSpace, their relativity, right? whatever they need to complement their career, IAPP, all that. Just That's be a great. great resource.
0: Yeah, thank you. No, it sounds like you're a really great resource for, for the legal community, so thank you for your work. And where can listeners go for more information about PAR? Practicealign.com. Great. Well, thank you so much, Joy, for your time today. It was very insightful, and I hope our listeners found it valuable to implement in their firm some of the strategies that you talked about. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you, everyone. This is Valerie Chan, and you've been listening to For The Record. Email me at Valerie at platform.com if you'd like to receive more information about this episode and have additional questions. Thank you, Joy, for your time today. That was very insightful, and I hope our listeners found it valuable for their firms. This is Valerie Chan, and you've been listening to For the Record. Find us on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect or subscribe to receive new episodes on your favorite podcast provider. Bye for now.